Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. And welcome back, everybody. Another edition of the Announcer Schedules podcast here on the Sports Media Watch feed. I'm your host, Mike Gill, along with at Announcer Skids. Phil DeMet-Mollen is with me again as we are in episode number three of the Announcer Schedule podcast. And Phil, welcome back, man. Good to have you back with me. We got a lot of announcer stories, things happening, the playoffs. We've got news. We've got an interview. We got our first interview today. We'll give you new uh, insight on that. But, Phil, uh, good to have you back, man. Yeah, really excited about today's episode. I'm actually just coming back from a little vacation. I was out in the, the Bay Area in San Francisco, of all places, where the NBA Finals were going down. So um, I wasn't at the, the game, wasn't able to quite afford those uh, ticket prices. But happy to be back here and uh, with you today and to talk all things announcers. Did you get a chance to check in on John Miller doing any radio uh, in KNBR out there? I did not. However, I do have a KNBR story for you for later in the show. All right. So uh, stay tuned for that. Uh, also coming up, uh, we've got some news notes like we typically do. You can, of course, like, subscribe, review the podcast, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify. You're going to want to get that. Subscribe to the pod. You can get the Announcer Schedules podcast. You can get uh, the Sports Media Watch podcast with TJ and John Lewis. And, of course, George Ofman does the uh, Tell Me a Story uh, I Don't Know, which you can get. All you have to do is subscribe and all three podcasts on one feed. We've got a big interview this week. We're going to talk to John Forslund, who is doing the play-by-play for Sports USA Radio of the Eastern Conference Finals Rangers and Lightning. I know TJ was at that game the other night, so he'll have some interest in that interview, and I hope many of you out there do. He is the voice of the Seattle Kraken, and, you know, Phil and I are going to talk to play-by-play guys and color analysts and sideline reporters, and uh, we're happy to have John on as our first here in the announcer schedule podcast. First of hopefully many, we're working on plenty, but let's get into some of the things that are happening around the announcer world, Phil, and we'll start in the NBA, where We've had some different voices in these NBA finals, not the familiar voices that we've been, we've been used to for the last, you know, umpteen years with Mike Breen, Van Gundy, and Mark Jackson. We had a couple of different configurations. We think it's going to go back to normal. Uh, if you're listening, uh, this drops on Thursday, so it'll be on Wednesday night's game two. We should have the full team back for that, but the first two games have been a little different. Yeah, game three Wednesday, uh, all indications are the full regular crew will be back on ABC. Uh, Mike Breen, Jeff Van Gundy, Mark Jackson, Lisa Salters reporting. But yeah, we weren't sure last week when we recorded the episode, you know, what the status was necessarily for both Breen and Van Gundy and ends up game one, they were both out. So it was a two-man booth, Mark Jones and Mark Jackson. And then... Jeff Van Gundy got cleared through the protocols for game two, um, but Breen 
was still sidelined. So Mark Jones uh, did a second game in the NBA Finals along with Van Gundy and Jackson. You know, we we mentioned that streak that Breen had going last show. You know, that's a 17-year run of not missing an NBA Finals game. The last time that happened, Al Michaels called Game 7 of the 05 Finals. All indications are the entire crew will be back on, on, on Wednesday night, um, which will be Breen's 17th NBA Finals worked. Uh, Van Gundy alongside with him. Um, that's more than any other play-by-play announcer, Breen. And, you know, it's interesting just – a lot of discussion about the performance of Mark Jones and in place of Breen and that kind of thing. And, you know, to me, those are just almost impossible shoes to fill Mike Breen's and, you know, folks just aren't going to be satisfied with anybody, but Breen, but, you know, Mark Jones, a, a veteran, we talked about him a bit last show as well, 32 year ESPN career. And, you know, on, on the kind of the scheduling side and the geography of it all, one thing that folks might not realize Mark Jones, you know, he filled in for that game seven in Miami Celtics heat. Uh, He's a South Florida resident has been the case for years. So that's familiar territory. And then, you know, doing game one and two of the NBA finals in San Francisco, he's spent the last two seasons also as the voice of the Sacramento Kings. And folks kind of scratched their head a little bit when Mark Jones took that gig, you know, Sacramento Kings play-by-play, especially coming from a South Florida guy. Well, there's a personal connection to Northern California for Mark Jones. His daughter is a women's basketball student athlete for the San Jose State University Spartans. And uh, she's just um, finished her sophomore season at San Jose State. Jones actually got to call a game of his daughters uh, this past year, which was a cool deal. So, Kind of, kind of a neat deal there, but you know, Jones uh, able to to step into that role. Not an easy assignment, no. being being thrown into those spots on on short notice. Um, but it looks like we'll have the the regular crew back, and you know, uh, I'm sure the Twitter uh, chatter will will settle down a bit with Breen back in the saddle. Yeah. Now I was listening to John Lewis uh, break this down with T.J. Reeves over on the SportsMediaWatch.com, and he, he mentioned, you know, hey. It's like inside the NBA. I thought it was well done by John taking, you know, Charles Barkley off the broadcast and just having two guys like Jones and Jackson, just not the familiarity um, and the same as listening to having Van Gundy and Jackson together. So just Jackson by himself, you know, um, changes the dynamic. Then you added him. I thought that helped the broadcast having both of those guys back. Uh, And now tonight you'll get the three-man uh, presumably, but I thought John very astute pointing that out, that just the two-man, when you're watching the finals, you have a lot of casual fans who are used to listening to those broadcasters, and when they weren't there, you sh- it, it did send up a couple of what's going on here, and, and Mark has a tendency to be, you know, throw in some very, uh, I think the word John used was academia. He was using a lot of thesaurus words that people maybe not were so familiar with. I thought he did a solid job, but, you know, we talk about, just the voice and the command, that's the difference sometimes when you have Breen with that voice and command that you're used to. I think that's where the difference maybe stands out. But I thought in a pinch in that situation that Mark did a great job. Yeah, and, and one more note on this. I heard a couple people um, recommend or theorize that ESPN could have used Doris Burke in the booth. And, 
you know, for that game one, you could have made it a three-person booth, bringing in Doris Burke, who's been on the radio side. Actually, a three-person booth over there, Kestisher, Burke, and P.J. Carlissimo. Mm -hmm. You bring over Burke um, for game one. Burke, by the way, is Mark Jones's regular partner during the regular season, so they have chemistry. But for whatever reason, ESPN and ABC decided not to go in that direction and they went with the, the two-person booth. But, you know, I, I think uh, universally it sounded like most people agreed that Game 2's broadcast um, was that much better with the three-person booth and Van Gundy and Jackson back in their familiar territory of being there side-by-side. Side. Yeah, I, I definitely, you know, and sometimes people don't like the three-man booth. I think Jackson works better when he has Van Gundy with him. So for that particular duo, I think the three-man works having the two with, the, the play-by-play guy. I also saw it suggested, you know, uh, that ESPN had some other options that they could use for play-by-play. Ryan Rucco, his name has been brought up. But I thought Jones did a fine job. It was just, hey, the I think we're just used to hearing these voices on the biggest stage. That was the bigger shock of it all was, and look, we're living in this COVID world where many of us think we're kind of coming out of it. To see a guy miss because of COVID still is a little bit eye-opening after a couple of months of feeling, you know, we haven't missed any games, nothing like that has happened. And here the broadcaster misses not one but two but three games. A game seven he missed as well. So, obviously, um, this was a pretty big deal. 17 years with Breen on the call of the NBA Finals. I mean, there's fans who – that's a lifetime. You know? yeah. So, yeah, I mean, people are used to Mike Breen. So it is a little bit maybe a, a shock to the system to have a different voice there. But, you know, it, it looks like, you know, we're back to, to normalcy, uh, relatively speaking, uh, beginning with game three and, and throughout the rest of the finals. Okay, and, of course, ESPN Radio has the calls as well. So TV, radio, NBA finals. NFL, speaking of radio and TV, Brent Musburger was a voice that we all remember uh, from the early NFL studio show, play-by-play. He was doing radio. For those of you who wonder what happened to Brett Musburger, he was doing radio for the Raiders. The, radio, uh, the Raiders uh, have their own national feed, and Brett Musburger was the voice of those games for the last couple of years. Is that a Compass uh, broadcast? Yeah, uh, nationally, you could catch those games on Compass, sort of sort of like how the Cowboys games are broadcast nationally as well via syndication. You know, the Raiders games had that same uh, treatment. And so, you know, Mosberger, even though he was calling one specific team, the Raiders, you know, you could catch them nationally. Yeah, so Musburger, now this is an interesting story, Phil. Maybe you can shine a little bit more light here, but... Uh, there has been no official announcement except from from him that he is now no longer doing Raider games nationally. So they're going to need a new national voice. Yeah, it was interesting. You know, Brent tweeted, you know, and we talked about Brent last week. He he just turned 83 years old and good to see uh, him still. Uh, and we have a know, story about an 80 plus year old announcer coming up a little later. So hang around for that uh, because these ages are starting to uh, come into play here. 83 we have an 84 year old guy coming up uh in just a couple of topics here so so brent who's been the raiders play-by-play voice for the last four seasons he's also been you know uh hosting and in, in a big part of this um Vissen network out in las vegas that was recently 
uh, bought by DraftKings. Uh, so he's got, you know, big operation going in, in Vegas in terms of uh, the media world and that kind of thing. But it kind of out of the blue, uh, suddenly there was a tweet from Brent saying that, hey, um, thank you, Raiders, for, for a nice run. And uh, it's been great working with my partner, Lincoln Kennedy, but I'm going to exit stage left. And it wasn't like uh, he was announcing retirement necessarily. He was just saying his run with the Raiders was complete. So uh, kind of a, an interesting little twist there. And, you know, um, just kind of fascinating how these things sort of work and, and go down. Who knows what's going on behind the scenes and, and, and so forth. But, you know, Musburger, obviously an iconic voice and, um, you know, it's gonna, we're going to miss him on the air on those national airways, but who knows? It doesn't sound like he's necessarily retiring. We might see him pop up somewhere else. Well, speaking of Musburger and those voices, let's hear Brent Musburger with a Raider call here as he announces he's leaving the Raiders network. Here we go. The Chargers show a nine-man front against this set. The hand, big hole, first down, end zone, touchdown, Jacobs! Touchdown, Raiders! Would you believe it? Off the bench, the offensive line blows the hole open against that nine-man box, and Jacobs takes it home. Roll tide, baby! That was uh, Brent Musburger in a game. Josh Jacobs, would you believe it? Uh, I mean, you mentioned the age. I mean, he sounded every bit like he had the energy. If you watch the video of it, he's pumping his fist. He's got the hat on backwards. I mean, he looks like he could do a whole another 20 years worth of seasons. So, hey, you know, it looks like he still has his fastball. You know, we talked about Al Michaels um, earlier episodes as well and how he's still going strong uh, post 80 years old. And, you know, Brent still has it, no doubt, you know, and it's just great to hear that iconic voice that, you know, brings back so many memories. All right. Now, uh, Raiders, of course, no longer across the bay. But if they were still in Oakland, across the bay would be the 49ers. um, And that would be... uh, would be Greg Papa, uh, and Greg Papa and the 49ers have re-upped, and he will be back calling games in, in the Bay Area. Yeah, this, this is really interesting. So my good friend who, who's been a, a tight friend of mine for years and I were, were vacationing this weekend in the Bay Area, and he's driving me back to the SFO airport, and we turn on KNBR, and there's Greg Papa. He has a uh, mid-morning, um, afternoon uh, drive show, on KNBR, and he's ah, here's your KNBR about, story here. Here we go. Yeah, he's talking about um, the Niners, and and they're they're kind of you know celebrating Papa and all this, and we're like, what is this news? You know, why are they talking about you know um, the broadcast booth? And you know, he's he's shouting out you know the behind the scenes guys and all these things, and ends up they announced right there on the air, and I I happened to catch it live that the Niners had extended his contract to 2028 as the play-by-play voice. And why this is kind of interesting and tied into that Brent news as well is that Papa for 20 years was the voice of the Raiders. And he indicated on his radio show yesterday when he was you know, talking about this new contract extension that he never really had a contract with the Raiders in Al Davis. They were one-year deals with Al Davis. And, and suddenly – 
you know, um, he was let go by the Raiders. It was like a sh whole shock to both Papa and then also the fan base in the Bay Area that he was let go. He's just beloved up there. And meanwhile, the Raiders move on and give the job to Brent Musburger and the Niners bring in Papa. So Bay Area fans continue to get the chance to hear Papa. And then meanwhile, there was a ton of chatter once Musburger tweeted that he was leading the Raiders, that Raiders Nation wanted Papa back. And I'm imagining this is a preemptive move by the Niners to, to lock him up. And it just kind of shows how an announcer, you know, can have that sort of cachet and, you know, that kind of respect throughout the, you know, the industry that, you know, uh, a team uh, gives them a contract extension because there's suddenly an opening somewhere else, you know, so good for, for Greg Papa, good for the Niners. I'm sure the Raiders fans um, are a little anxious about it, but uh, kind of cool that I was able to catch that live. And it, it was a, a neat deal to, to hear uh, Papa in his own words, talk about, you know, uh, what this contract meant to him. All right. So there's uh, Greg Papa, not related to, Bob Papa, who does the Giant Games, but was related to Gary Papa, who did the sports on Channel 6 in Philadelphia for years. He passed away. Uh, so the Papa name, big in sports broadcasting and announcing the games. we got Papa back with the 49ers. The Raiders now have an opening. Uh, that's on the national feed. So we'll see how that goes. And then in the NFL, we almost saw uh, John Lynch back in the announcing game. But Something happened that had him decide to stay with the 49ers. Yeah, so there was a story in The Athletic. Uh, David Lombardi, who's the beat reporter for the 49ers, uh, had a story uh, these past couple days. And it talked about Lynch turning down the big offer from Amazon. And the reported deal was $15 million annually uh, for Lynch to leave the Niners uh, and broadcast games for Amazon, you know, the, that package that Al Michaels is handling the play-by-play -play for. And basically, it would be three times the money that he's making with the Niners that he turned down. And Lynch told a story about how he addressed the team uh, with Coach Kyle Shanahan following the, the playoff loss. And, you know, it was sort of like an integrity thing, a football man kind of mentality that, hey, I can't let these men down. And, you know, after the, that kind of rah-rah emotional, um, you know, post-game session with the team, he couldn't imagine just bolting for TV money. But $15 million a year uh, when you're making five has got to be tough to turn down. And it's kind of interesting. I, I wonder if it would have been different if it would have been, say, CBS, NBC, Fox versus – Amazon and you know is do people perceive Amazon as a bit of a, a risk career-wise just because they're so new to the game I mean obviously it doesn't really make sense when you consider uh, how huge Amazon is but not just Lynch but reportedly Troy Aikman and Sean McVay all turned down Amazon as well uh, ultimately that job went to Kirk Herbstreit well it's interesting you know I know uh, because of that uh, you, you just made a point that made me think of something are people kind of skeptical let's kind of bounce ahead to this uh, last week we had the story of Arlo White uh, who was out of the Premier League he's now going to do this live golf tour and you know we were wondering is this going to work it's not on television you got Phil Mickelson's decide to do it Dustin Johnson 
uh, today as we're recording this, some more big names. I think Bryson DeChambeau, he's another name going. You wonder, um, is Arlo White kind of stepped into something that's pretty big? And is the PGA now going to open their eyes? By the way, Bob Papa calls some PGA Tour events. There's a tie to the Papas now. Bring them into the golf. But Arlo White, Premier League, he's getting this golf gig. You wonder, though, if other people were asked and said, eh, I don't know if I want to get involved with this. Yeah, and the Sports Media Watch podcast goes into this quite a bit. They had Bob Herrig on the show, who was the reporter. He's with SI.com, who had an exclusive interview with Phil Mickelson, uh, basically to talk about all these issues surrounding the the Live Golf Tour. And, you know, it seems to me like it's just all being thrown together so quickly here. I mean, the broadcast team was announced, you know, and they're, they're heading into their, their first event this weekend. Uh, you know, I saw some reports of, you know, kind of train wreck type stuff at the press conference media day, you know, where, you know, things are a little out of hand and, and awkward at times. And so we'll see what happens with this. But obviously you can't deny, you know, the big money being thrown around. And, you know, um, you know, unfortunately, you know, sometimes money talks beyond, you know, what people's principles might be. Definitely. So uh, Arlo White, he is reportedly going to be the voice of that. And now that's going to be broadcast, Phil, on YouTube. Uh, what are the, the outlets for that? Yeah, I'm still trying to figure it out myself again. Like, it seems like this is being thrown together very quickly. And they don't have a know, TV deal. Seen, no TV deal, though. Yeah, I, I haven't seen a TV deal as yeah. far as regular uh, mainstream networks. Okay. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Uh, all right, so let's go back to uh, the the NHL now. So the TNT, their season's in the books. We had a sweep over there, so that means TNT's hockey coverage is done for their first year on the NHL, which, by the way, I thought they did an excellent job. Uh, Kenny Albert was the voice over there. ESPN from here on out, that's Sean McDonough on the TV side on the call. And on the radio, it's John Forslin, who we'll have coming up here on the Announcer Schedules podcast in about a couple minutes or so. So stick around to listen to John and his journey and all that good stuff. But ESPN now is the sole survivor of the NHL. They had the Stanley Cup this year. Yeah, so TNT season complete. They had their first year in the book. So um, a hat tip to those guys. They did a great job, I, I feel. And, uh, you know, a lot of fans really enjoyed their coverage all season long. You mentioned Kenny Albert, also guys like Brendan Burke, Jim Jackson, uh, John Forslund, who we'll have on the show, analysts, Eddie Olchick, Darren Pang, Keith Jones, uh, just a great group over there at TNT. And so now, you know, Eastern Conference Finals marching on. Uh, hey, at the taping of our podcast, it's a 2-2 series. So this thing uh, could continue to, to march on towards seven games. And, you know, certainly with every game, you know, the, the attention increases. And, you know, Sean McDonough, who is becoming a familiar voice, you know, doing so many of these, these playoff games, uh, he'll continue along with Ray Ferraro and Emily Kaplan. 
And uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens as, as the uh, playoffs continue to, to ramp up here. Lightning Rangers have taken center stage. Yeah, and I know uh, SportsMediaWatch.com hosts uh, TJ Reeves, big uh, Lightning fan uh, at the game, probably got his hat on, ready to cheer them on. Uh, and, of course, you can go listen to their podcast on the SportsMediaWatch.com feed, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, uh Subscribe to our podcast. You can get their podcast and others on the sportsmediawatch.com feed. All right, let's go to some baseball, and I will give a little tease. I have some baseball calls as my favorite of the week. I was actually at the Phillies game on Sunday where Bryce Harper hit the grand slam to tie the game, and Bryson Stott hit the three-run homer to win the game. That was on Sunday, but on Tuesday night, they had an even bigger comeback. Well, We'll hear that audio coming up in just a little bit. But you might not hear as much as John Sterling. He's going to cut back, Phil, on his schedule on the road for the second half of the Yankee season. Sterling had a streak of over 5,000 games snapped recently. Uh, but now he's going to cut back even more. Yeah, um, so Sterling's going to cut back less road trips. He's going to basically just do the – the road trips that are, you know, close by New York city and, you know, you know, certainly a familiar voice to, to Yankee fans. You know, he came out on a radio show and wanted to kind of clear things up a little bit that he's a hundred percent healthy. He doesn't have some big thing going on, you know, that a lot of his colleagues have been saying, Hey man, why don't you just cut back a little bit? Because it seems like he's just unhappy with all the, travel in the the road trip and you know talking to uh announcers over the years especially you know those who who do those you know long baseball seasons you know the travel does wear on you you know outsiders might think wow how glamorous that you you get the chance to travel throughout the year and that kind of thing but there is certainly wear and tear and once you get to that age uh you know, perhaps even more so, but uh, he wanted to clear it up that, hey, I'm, I'm 100% healthy, but just uh, kind of tired of the travel and, and cutting back. Uh, still haven't seen yet who uh, the Yankees are going to use in place of him. I know there's been some names thrown around, but but no announcement yet. But um, interesting that Sterling's uh, stepping back just a little bit here. And, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll see who perhaps is waiting in the wings as the next voice of the Yankees. Yeah, well, some of the names are Ryan Rucco, uh, who has obviously got his WNBA stuff with ESPN. Uh, Ricky Ricardo does the Yankee Spanish uh, broadcast. He used to do the Phillies Spanish broadcast. And uh, they are also a couple of other they, – they've uh, kicked around the idea of having Susan Waldman do some of the play-by-play, but that seems to be a long shot. By the way – Sterling will be 84 years old on July the 4th. So he said he's going to cut back and do, you know, Baltimore, um, City Field when they play the Mets, some Fenway Park. But other than that, you know, he's going to cut back. But he said, I just want to recharge the batteries. The Yankees look like they're going to be in the playoffs. My gosh, um, um, you got a historic start for them right now. So he's going to have playoff games to call, and he wants to be ready for that. All right, we'll get some of our favorite calls coming up. we got John Forslund. Uh, from uh, the uh, NHL playoffs on Sports USA, he's the radio broadcaster. We're going to have him coming up in just a bit. But first, uh, any additional notes? We've got all these. We got uh, women's college softball. The NCAA seemingly like has ten games on a day. And any other things that are out there that we want to touch on? Well, the women's college World Series, the NCAA softball, is actually coming to a head now. The championship series, you know, is is happening. 
uh, this week. And um, Beth Moens, Jessica Mendoza, Michelle Smith, Holly Rowe, um, who everyone's familiar with handling the reporting. It's that group, those four announcers, they're 15th Women's College World Series together. So they've been doing it a long time. And I'll tell you, ESPN, um, you know, treats this as big as anything they do. And, and certainly uh, the sport has grown along with ESPN's coverage. And I personally think it's a great watch. If you, if you ever get the chance to settle in with some of these softball games, it's like bang, bang action yeah. throughout a lot of it. And a, a, a lot of fun. The crowds real into it. So uh, cool to see that. And then they're also doing not quite a Manning cast, but an alternate broadcast. Uh, the, the, the group of announcers are actually um, on site, you know, sort of like a studio desk out in the outfield of the the stadium uh so that'll be happening over on espnu and espn news um so cool to see the world series on the softball side of things westwood one providing coverage of that as well ryan radke on the play-by-play for westwood one softball uh super regionals for ncaa baseball kicking off uh this weekend uh that'll be across all the espn platforms as well and also mike i do want to give a mention to the premier lacrosse league on ESPN that kicked off this past weekend as well. And it looks like that's a significant uh, television deal with ESPN and this new lacrosse league, whereby, you know, they're getting uh, some good placement in terms of the ESPN networks, but also, you know, you'll see a bunch of names that you might be used to in college football. Uh, we, we had Anish Shroff on the call. He'll be sort of the lead announcer um, for, the premier lacrosse league, but also guys like Quinn Kucinich, Paul Carcetera, um, and then sideline reporters like uh, Katie George and uh, Roddy Jones, uh, who, you know, you may be used to seeing on college football. They'll be there on the premier lacrosse league. So a lot happening, you know, like a little further down the dial as well, you know, in between all these NBA and NHL games. All right, uh, so uh, there you go. There's all some news, notes, nuggets. Uh, get a couple calls. I know we mentioned Greg Papa. We played a Musburger call. Let's get a Greg Papa, a couple of calls from him as he's re-upped with the 49ers. Take a listen. Greg Papa. Jimmy under center. Elijah Mitchell the back. A toss sweep. check leads the edge. Good block there on Lawrence. Elijah Mitchell. Touchdown! Save! Francisco Garoppolo gonna boot to his right after a play action gonna throw back left not there throws out right wide open Brandon Ayuk into Dallas territory 45 angling left 40 dropped on the Cowboy 38 yard line he picks up 37 yards all right there you go a couple of calls from uh, Greg Papa there and you hear the touchdown I almost hear him saying Raiders but he goes San Francisco he makes the change he, I mean, talk about stirring the pot with the Niners Raiders rivalry in the Bay Area, you know, with an announcer, you know, uh, the two teams jockeying for him. But yeah, what energy, you know, and um, I think I'm going to try to resurrect that that tweet there because, uh, you know, um, the Niners radio network was able to provide a view from the booth yep. and to really get the full experience. You have to see the video of Papa as well, really get into it. You do. All right. Uh, I got a couple, you know, Phil likes to uh, give us some of these great calls where he hears. Now that was more of a national call there. I mean, a local call there uh, from the uh, San Francisco KNBR. This one here, I like to try to find some of the local stuff. And I happen to uh, be watching this on TV last night, but I wanted to get the radio call. This is Scott Fransky. Uh, who calls for the Phillies radio network. 
This was Josh Hader. Now, keep in mind, has not given up a run since July of last year. He's 18 for 18 on saves. The Phillies are down. They had come from behind on Sunday to win a game with a grand slam and then a three-run homer. And then last night, uh, I guess Tuesday night, they're in Milwaukee. They're down. Hader's on the mound. And this is what happened. Scott Fransky on the call. One ball and one strike. Two to one ball game. Brewers lead the pitch. Swung on, hit high in the air, left center field, pretty deep. And that ball is going to go. Alec Foam has tied it as he's homered off of Josh Hader, leading off in the ninth. <laughs> the first run that Hader has given up in the regular season since last July, and it's a solo homer by Boehm. And we start over tied at two. <laughs> what a moment. Awesome. Boy, Boehm. It cleared the Brewers' bullpen and landed on the railing above as Alec Bohm destroyed that pitch from Josh Hader. All right, so there you go. He destroys the pitch from Josh Hader. Well put there from Scott Francis. You almost disbelief that they actually tied the game, but then this happened two batters later. Hader ready, the 1-2 pitch. Swung on, hit well to left, and this one's got a chance. It is back, and it is gone. Matt Veerling has put the Phillies on top. Matt Veerling has homered to left off of Hader, and the Phillies are in front three to two. Wow. <laughs> Matt Veerling, who was at AAA at the start of the day, and he's back in the big leagues, and he's just hit a bomb, and the Phillies have a 3-2 lead. All right, so there you go. Fransky, you heard the excitement as he hits the second one. Now, Phil, you would say, all right, two home runs, a walk-off. The date was June the 7th. Well, on June 7th last year, this happened. He kicks the pitch. Swing and a drive. Deep right field. Wow. It's going to go, and this game <laughs> is over. It is a walk-off grand slam for Brad Miller, and the Phillies have won it. A stunning end here at Citizens Bank Park as Brad Miller reaches home plate. The Phillies celebrate a walk-off grand slam. And Austin, the birthday boy, said the Phillies were going to win this one. That ball went off the life brand sign of the second deck, the facade of the second All right, deck. there you go. There, so June 7th on social media, Phil, is proclaimed as Scott Fransky Day because the Phillies have walk-off homers the last two years on that day. Wow, and some some great calls there, not only the, the excitement, of course, but, you know, some great context as well. Yeah, Fransky... Uh, by the way, he's been doing radio here for a while. Larry Anderson is his partner. Sometimes Anderson has cut back on his schedule. He actually has a rotating cast of guys that he does games with. I can't even keep up with who does games with them from game to game. I think there's four different partners that he has. Uh, so you got to give him a lot of credit. It's not easy to mesh with. And he's had a lot of different partners over the years because Anderson has kind of cut back on his schedule on the radio. He was only doing a home schedule. They had different road guys. Franderson, Kevin Franson, uh, Kevin Franson, excuse me, was the radio guy for some of those games. He went to the TV booth with the Nationals, so they had to replace him. They've got Kevin Stocker. 
Uh, Michael Bourne, I think, does some games, and there's uh, maybe one other guy that's in the mix there that they do for radio. So uh, good, kudos to Franski. And that, that reminds me, Mike, uh, I saw that John Crook is back in the, the TV booth uh, with Tom McCarthy. He is. And by the way, on Sunday, Harper hits the Grand Slam and the social media clip of Crook saying, yeah, baby, uh, has been all over the place here because that was kind of his first game back. And he does the games on Sunday. Mike Schmidt joins the call. Uh, Sundays with Schmidt, they call it. So you get Schmidt in the three-man booth with Tom McCarthy on Sundays, but Crook Yes, is back there. By the way, while we're uh, getting ready, uh, we're going to talk with John Forslund from Sports USA Radio. He's the play-by-play voice for the Eastern Conference Finals. Uh, we've got a Lifetime Achievement Award, too, to congratulate. That's right. Mike Fratello, uh, Chuck Daly Lifetime Achievement Award. Uh, a major, major award from the NBA. Uh, Fratello receiving this award, you know, kind of a combo deal both for his coaching career as well as his broadcasting career and on the broadcasting side you know we mentioned last show uh his work with marv albert where he was known as the czar of the telestrator mike fratello and the two of them work in that 1992 summer olympics the dream team kenny albert was their statistician which was a, a great anecdote um you know from uh, the, the the podcast of George's, but yeah, Fratello, uh, a great broadcasting career. You know, later in his career, um, he kind of was going back and forth from coaching. You know, so he would have a, a coaching stint and then back into the the booth. Uh, but did a lot of great work, NBC, TNT, NBA TV, also regional networks. So he settled in for you know uh, seasons upon seasons with certain teams as well: Cavaliers, Clippers, Heat. Nets and Pistons. So, uh, congratulations to Mike Fratello. Always a lot of fun to hear him. And you know that brings up one point I wanted to make. You, you mentioned Mike. You asked me on the last show, was I a Marv or a Mike Breen guy? And you know, I I went in the direction of, hey, it's kind of who you grow up with. And then after the show, I realized my roots go even back a little further. You know, in terms of me being you know, impressionable from a young age in terms of announcers and who came to mind in terms of NBA play-by-players is Dick Stockton with the CBS games, uh, the NBA CBS games in the 80s. Right. Those are the ones that, you know, really I think uh, were my first kind of entrance into big-time NBA uh, broadcasting and that kind of thing. And some of those calls from Stockton uh, just tremendous back there in the 80s, Lakers-Celtics era. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you bring back some memories there because uh, more recently, of course, Dick Stockton was doing some Fox NFL games. I don't know that he's done the last year or so on there. By the way, we've been remiss. We mentioned Musburger, famous for You Are Looking Live. We never mentioned that when we were talking Musburger. So Dick Stockton, Musburger, we fit them both in. John Sterling on the local level, 84 years old. These guys are still going strong, some of them, and uh, great voices throughout. That's why – the Announcer Schedules podcast was born. That's why at Announcer Skeds, S-K-E-D-S, uh, is formed uh, about 20,000 strong following Phil and the Announcer Skeds um, Twitter handle. We have the podcast for you. And coming up in just a few moments now, we will talk uh, with John Forslin, uh, the voice of the Eastern Conference Finals on Sports USA Radio. So we'll have that for you 
Unless, Phil, you have anything you want to add, anything we want to fill out here before we get John on uh, the Announcer Schedules podcast? Well, I, I think we hit most all the hot topics this week, uh, no doubt about it. But really looking forward to seeing these next few games of this Lightning Rangers series as well as the NBA Finals. And, again, another hat tip to TNT on the NHL side of things. Great job all season long. All right. Uh, so we'll start that off here uh, with a call from John Forslund. Here he is on Sports USA Radio. And when we when you hear this call on the other side, you will hear John with us. Take a listen. Right point, Chernak. Left point, Edmund. Wrist pass, Kucherov, a shot. They score! It's Andre Pallant! On the short side, with 41.6 seconds left, Tampa Bay leads game three. And you just heard John Forslund from Sports USA on that call uh, as Tampa Bay won game number three with a game winner. And he joins us right now on the Announcer Schedules podcast with Mike and Phil and John Forslund, Sports USA Radio. He's got the Eastern Conference call. Uh, many of you out there would remember John uh, from the Carolina Hurricanes days. Also, this year, he is the voice of the newly formed Seattle Kraken. John, uh, welcome aboard the Announcer Schedules podcast. Hi, guys. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. And uh, you've been doing it all. You know, Seattle this year, of course, many people know you from a long, illustrious NHL calling career. But I'm interested how a guy from Springfield, Massachusetts, home of the NBA Hall of Fame, uh, worked his way into the NHL world. Well, you know, the other thing about Springfield is it has a long history of um, minor league hockey. It goes all the way back to the early days with uh, Eddie Shore, and Eddie Shore owned Springfield Indians in the glory days of that franchise in the in the 50s, and many people thought that that was the uh, seventh best team in the world at the time. As you know, the NHL only had six teams, and, um, you know, a lot of things happened in Springfield. The Players Union was uh, uh, was founded there because of uh, the way he dominated uh, and owned the players and restricted their movement and so on. But it, And over the, over the course of time, when I started following the game and falling in love with the sport, was, uh, was going to minor league hockey in Springfield. And uh, the Bruins in the, in, the, in the early 70s with their glory teams led by Bobby Orr and Phil Esposito and Jerry Cheevers and all these guys, uh, I became a very passionate fan. Of course, they won a Stanley Cup, but Bobby Orr scored that iconic goal in 1970. And I know exactly where I was watching the game on CBS with uh, the great Dan Kelly on the call. And that's where I not only formulated a love for the sport, but uh, kind of a, a love for broadcasting hockey. I, I, that's where my dream started. So like a lot of young guys uh, and girls that want to do this, you start uh, – um, you know, in the land of make-believe, you get on a tape recorder, you call games off the television. I did all that. It became a, a real hobby of mine. And then uh, one thing led to another. I got some opportunity to uh, work in the American Hockey League in 1984 in my hometown. I worked in that league for seven years, got the Hartford Whalers in 91, and uh, that's it. That's how it started. <laughs> People forget the Hartford Whalers, the Brass Bonanza. What was it like calling games uh, in Hartford? It was great. I mean, Hartford was a great city for the National Hockey League. Uh, it's unfortunate that the team had to move. Um, they had a rich history in the World Hockey Association. And, and like I say, you know, there's not a lot of jobs 
at this level, and uh, I got an excellent break to break in with that team on radio first in 1991, and in 1995, I was given an opportunity to become their television voice, and then, you know, situations broke down politically there between the owner of the team, Peter Carmanis at the time, and uh, the state government, the local government, and a big hassle over an arena lease, and that's why the team moved, and then we moved down to Raleigh in 1997 and started a uh, a voyage in virgin territory that was uh, remarkable. I had a long run there with the Hurricanes and, and left that organization in 2020. Yeah, what people don't realize with that, you just brought up something. You're from that northeast area, Boston, Massachusetts, uh, New England. You had to uproot and go down to Carolina. I mean, what was that like to be told, hey, we're moving and do you want to come with us? Did you have to make a decision on whether you wanted to do that or not? Yeah, it was unsettling at the time. And, um, you know, at the time, Fred Cusick, the, the longtime Bruins announcer, was retiring. Uh, he was asked, you know, who do you think should succeed you? And in the Boston Herald, he threw out my name, which is very nice of him. So I auditioned for a TV 38 gig with the Bruins, trying to make a decision on whether or not I was going to stay in New England. That would have been a dream for me or go to North Carolina. And it got down to Sean McDonough, myself, and a guy named Dave Shea. And Dave Shea ended up getting the job with TV38. It was a split feed. They had Nesson doing their home games. They had TV38 doing the road games. Um, it, was a, it was a great opportunity, but it wasn't like the one I had. And uh, Jim Rutherford, the GM and president of the Hurricanes, gave me my opportunity to work in television. And, and because of that loyalty and with a year remaining on my deal, you know, I was fortunate enough to get asked, number one, to go there. And then going there was different. I mean, uh, we were starting a family. I had a one-year-old. My wife was eight months pregnant when we moved. And uh, we had a lot of things going on in our lives. And most importantly, on a professional side, we were coming to a place that had really no clue about the game. So it wasn't like an expansion team that I'm, I'm involved with now in Seattle. This was more or less a, a four-month relocation that had never happened before in the NHL. And you plop yourself down on Tobacco Road where it's rich in college basketball, college football, NASCAR uh, fandom, and, and you try and make hockey work. And over time, we did. Very proud of all the uh, the work we did there and the years I had there. Stanley Cup in 06, a lot of great playoff runs. And, um, it, you know, I still have a home there, so it was a great area. And and then, John, you go from Raleigh-Durham area all the way to Seattle, you know, to handle things for the Kraken. Uh, tell us about that experience this past year in Seattle. Well, it was, um, it, it's been remarkable. It's the greatest year of my career. Um, how I got there was something that I, I didn't think uh, was ever going to be on the horizon for me. I kind of been with the Hurricanes for a long time. I thought it was, you know, going to stay with that organization. The change in ownership, uh, really, really tough um, proposal was given to me when my contract expired in 2020. Uh, I didn't think it was very fair, so I decided to turn it down and make myself available. I worked for NBC independently for a couple of seasons in the NHL bubble. Uh, in 2020, um, and then in the 2021 season, just as one of the voices for, for NBC and their coverage of the NHL. A couple of jobs were open, which is uh, unusual. Uh, every season, there's not a lot of turnover with jobs like this in all sports, as you know. Um, so the Tampa Bay Lightning uh, had some interest in me. They offered me a position uh, there in November 2020. It, it, there were some things about it that just didn't seem like it was a good fit for either party. So um, I turned that down. I had been talking with Seattle. 
Um, and it took a few months to establish in a relationship. And then in and around the holidays, 2021, around the new year, uh, they presented me with the opportunity of a lifetime. So I went there this season, uh, broke ground with the franchise. Uh, it's a remarkable situation out there. Wonderful facilities. The fan base is, is terrific. The, the um, energy surrounding the team is, you know, is second to none. And, and once the team gets a lot of credibility and becomes a, a team that's going to be in and around the playoffs on an annual basis, um, I think the entire hockey world will see, you know, how great that place is for the NHL. So to be part of that from the ground floor has been really exhilarating. Now, in addition to being the TV voice of the Kraken, you're currently calling games for Sports USA on the national radio broadcast of the Stanley Cup playoffs. Uh, you've called games for TNT uh, throughout this past season. Um, you know, one of the things we talk about here on this podcast is sort of the process and the behind the scenes um, you know, mechanics of the broadcast. Can you tell us a little bit the differences between those different assignments for you, whether it's Kraken television, uh, national radio, or network television? Yeah, you know, I think the key here for, for anybody that either aspires to do this or maybe is doing this is is to understand that the framework of what you do, the actual broadcasting style that you have shouldn't vary too much. And I say that because, you know, if you, if you change your regional approach and you drastically change your national approach, and then when you're going from television to radio, you have to drastically change a little bit of what you're doing, uh, I think you can really screw all three things up. So it's important to keep that in mind. And, uh, you know, on the regional front with the, with the Kraken, you're telling a story from game one of the season through the 82 games of the regular season, hopefully the playoffs. And you're selling a message. You're selling a story that is linked from game to game. You're the conduit to the fan base. Um, and your energy, you know, should be on the side of who you're working for without, you know, being over the top, being an over the top homer, which I've never been and pride myself in not being that because I think you have to build trust with your fan base, trust with your viewers and listeners. If you don't do that, I think you're cooked. That's just my opinion. Um, and then when you go to the national work, obviously it's a 50-50 presentation. Uh, you're, you're feeding both fan bases. You're, you're celebrating and promoting the game. Um, and I've done a boatload of national work with ESPN and with NBC and now with the folks at TNT and Turner Broadcasting. That's been terrific. And then I was given this opportunity, you know, to work with Sports USA. They're wonderful people. Um, they really they, they love the NHL. They love their newfounded uh, relationship with the league. And um, you adjust your mechanics, obviously, for a radio call in the sense that you have to do a few things differently um, on radio than you would in television. For instance, your resets are really important. Your time and score has to be given a lot more on the radio to, than it does on television because obviously we have a score bug on the screen. Your descriptive terms obviously come into play when you're calling the game to make sure that the, the listener can, can get an idea of what's happening. It's really hard in hockey because hockey has a, a randomness to it. And, you know, if you if you if you're not you're clear where the puck is and kind of reminding the listener, you know, if it's down to our left, if they're moving left to right, if it's on the right boards, the near boards, the far boards, you know, if you're not saying those things, I think you can get lost and the game can sound like just a bunch of people 
connecting the dots and you have no clue where the puck is. So you, yeah, that's a work in, in progress. And that's something when you do a lot of television, you have to adjust to unless you're doing radio on a regular basis. So I really find that as a, a professional challenge. I enjoy that. Um, and then I get to work with some great analysts, say Brian Hayward, and they have now working with Joe Micheletti, who's a dear friend, and we've done a lot of work together, and I think we have uh, terrific chemistry on the air. So um, uh, as you guys know, radio is the is the foundation of everything that happens. Radio obviously came before television, and uh, for any broadcaster, if you're doing a radio call, a football game, a baseball game, basketball game, hockey game, whatever it is, I think that's the real, um, true, uh, organic level of broadcasting. That's exhilarating. It's a lot of fun to do. You know, television's great. You know, television's great, but it's a it's a, um, a, a bigger operation. There's more people involved, producers, directors, graphics people. You know, you got a, an army of, of, of individuals, men and women, about 30 per, per telecast, as opposed to radio where you basically sit down, get your thoughts together, work with your producer and engineer, and then deliver. But you're delivering something at the, uh, like I said, at the organic level, which is really neat. Uh, John Forslund's been our guest here on the Announcer Schedules podcast. A great little trip through Springfield, Massachusetts, all the way to, uh, I believe you're what, in Kirkland, Washington, home of the Little League World Series champions, 1982? Uh, no, I live I live in um, Mercer Island. Oh, I live okay. on Mercer Island. Right I don't up. live in Kirkland. I saw that somewhere. I don't know where that came from. Maybe the Kirkland Chamber of Commerce. <laughs> I'm not sure. Uh, uh, but uh, anyway, I'm on Mercer Island out there. Still have my home in Raleigh. And, uh, yeah, kind of working both coasts for now. but well, a lot Coast of fun. to coast. Coast to coast, John is yep. gone. And Sports USA Radio, if you're in your car and you hear that voice, it'll be John Forslund, hopefully for a Game 7, which would be Sunday night, Rangers and Lightning. It's been a great series. Your game-winning call in Game 3, Tampa, uh, was outstanding. And uh, we had that on our radio station here in Atlantic City, 97.3 ESPN. We do have the Eastern Conference Finals on the radio, and uh, it is John Forslund, Joe Micheletti on the calls on Sports USA. He's the voice of the Seattle Kraken, and he was our first guest here on the Announcer Schedules podcast. John, it was a pleasure to catch up with you and tell your story. Thank you so much. Thanks a lot, guys. My pleasure. Appreciate it. All right, that's John Forslund here on the Announcer Schedule podcast. We appreciate him, Phil. What a journey. What a what a way through, uh, you know, Springfield Mass, home of the uh, NBA, uh, or excuse me, the Pro Basketball Hall of Fame, and now the voice of the Kraken. Yeah, great origin story there, and uh, certainly uh, interesting to hear uh, his journey from, you know, these different geographies. And, you know, people don't think about, you know, sort of the family side a lot of times, how it's impacted. But, you know, um, you know, while raising a family, moving to North Carolina, now to, to Washington State, and, you know, the Seattle Kraken, I've only heard just uh, rave reviews from how that franchise is being run, how it's being marketed, um, how the, the broadcasting operations have, have gone off. Uh, they seem to really be on the cutting edge on a lot of the things they're doing media-wise. And, you know, great to see uh, John as a big part of that and in, in the crack in valuing his skills. Yeah. Uh, by the way, the Athletic ranked all the NHL broadcast, the Seattle Krakens, was number two in the entire NHL this year in their first season of existence. I thought some interesting bullet points as we get ready to get out of here. Almost became the Boston play-by-play guy. Sean McDonough was also up for that job. Uh, he said, this is the greatest year of my career. 
Sounds like a tag and a tease for social media. Find out why this is John Forslund's greatest year of his career. And number three, he turned down the Tampa job. Uh, he could have been uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning voice, John Forslund. Instead, he's the Seattle Kraken voice, John Forslund. So, started in Springfield. He ends up in Seattle. And there you go. Uh, the announcer schedule podcast introducing you to John Forslund, the voice of Sports USA, uh, the Eastern Conference Finals. All right. That'll about do it for us. We've uh, fit a lot in. We had an interview. We gave you news, notes, everything in between. Uh, before we get on out of here, Phil, do you have anything you'd like to add uh, before we close down episode three of the Announcer Schedules podcast? Well, especially after talking to John, you know, I, I want to really zero in on this Lightning Rangers series. Uh, Thursday is game five at Madison Square Garden. I mean, I've seen some of these clips of those Rangers fans. They're going absolutely berserk in that that building. So that'll be interesting. And then, you know, game six is guaranteed on Saturday. And, and uh, my game seven, Tuesday, June the 14th, uh, the NHL uh, has that on their schedule on ESPN and also Sports um, USA Radio, uh, if necessary, lightning at Rangers. So that series really coming to a head there. Um, and, uh, yeah, a lot of fun to watch these, these NHL calls, NBA finals, NCAA softball, NCAA baseball, uh, cranking up, uh, this week as well. So a lot to follow and, uh, be sure to check us out at announcer skeds on Twitter. Uh, we'll be bringing all the announcer pairings for all these games, uh, in the coming days. All right. Don't forget you can uh, subscribe and get us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify. The sportsmediawatch.com feed is where you'll find us. Uh, subscribe. You'll get the little alert to let us know. We usually drop on Thursdays is when you can get us. Uh, on Wednesdays, you get the sportsmediawatch.com podcast. Tell me a story I don't know. Comes out on Tuesdays. Three podcasts, one feed. Subscribe, review. Uh, if you get us on social media, at announcer sked's. Uh, you can ask us questions. We'll try to answer uh, questions if you have them. Leave reviews in uh, wherever you're listening. And if we see those reviews, we can uh, answer them as well. All right, that'll do it for us. Phil, Mike, we are done here on Episode 3 of the Announcer Schedules Podcast. And uh, we'll be back next week. Hopefully you enjoy this one. Talk to you then. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com.